0: Well, thanks, Paul. Um, As uh, Paul said, it's a two for one deal this morning. You get me first, then you get my better half, my more attractive half coming up in a few minutes. Uh, We have been looking, uh, can you put the first slide up for me, please, at this series, um, which we've called Who Are We Becoming? Who are we becoming? It's a good thing to be thinking about and reflecting on at the start of a year, at the start of a decade, although I've been informed this week that technically we're not actually at the start of a decade yet. Is that right, Mark? Yeah, okay, so apparently the actual decade technically starts, or actually, at the end of this year. Now, you can talk to the maths nerds about that, but um, I'm calling it the decade anyway because it feels like it. Um, who are we becoming we've been looking at acts to uh, oh i put this quote up because i've we've mentioned this a couple of times uh, i think this is a great quote who you're becoming is far more important than what you're doing and yet it's what you're doing that determines Who you're becoming? So I hope you haven't stopped reflecting and thinking about this year yet. I hope you haven't sort of done the new year thing and then moved on from that because I haven't. I'm trying to spend this whole month really just reflecting and thinking. Who is it that we want to become? Who is it that God is asking me to be? What does this year and this decade want? look like in my mind? What does, in my in my eyes, of, through the eyes of faith, where do we want to grow to? And therefore, what do I need to do about that? It's not enough just to think about it. It's actually you have to do something about that. And uh, I put a blog up about that this week that you might want to check out uh, on the ePress if you haven't already, just about stepping out and living out. We have been exploring this verse and I'm going to read it again this passage apologies if you're a bit bored of it now um, but we're going to read it again this is from Acts chapter 2 uh, verses 4 actually I'm not sorry if you're bored of it it's a great passage and we need to keep reading it. Um, and it talks about the community life of the early church just after Pentecost um, and I think this is a really helpful passage to read as we ask the question what does it look like to become the authentic Christian community that God is inviting us as a church family to be and to become during this next year during this next few years and so it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer and everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles and all the believers were together and had everything in common they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And it's a beautifully succinct little passage um, that really describes um, the whole flavour of the first Christian community, what we would call the church. Okay, and I don't have, if you haven't, been here the last couple of weeks um, you can listen to the t- talks online so I'm not going to go back over that but we summed this up by saying really what you're seeing in that passage is you're seeing three things described you're seeing a worshiping community and a spirit filled community and a generous community and next week we're going to be looking at Laura's going to be looking at what it is to be a worshiping community in the big settings like this and in the small settings like life groups um, this morning in a little while Joe is going to talk about spirit filled community and what that looks like and last Last week we talked about what it is to grow in generosity and so last week I looked at the hallmarks of a generous church, I looked at being unity and open-handedness and caring for those in need and I talk specifically about um, how the money that we give here into this church as we just have done through our offering and what happens to that and what it gets used for how we use that for worship and we use it uh, to look after our venue and we use it to pay our staff and also that with our money that we get in we also try and be that that example of a generosity and in fact, you know, a really significant chunk of the money that you give in here gets given away to different people to bless others, uh, to, to help others who are in need. And um, although I run a record, do recognize that generosity is more than just finances. It's not just about what we do with our money, but that is a significant part of how we show our generosity. And I issued a challenge, and if you missed it last week, um, then I'm just going to issue that challenge again. At the start of this year, for those of us who feel that we're part of this church for those of us who want to be united in heart and mind and who own the vision of what God is doing here um, to um, own the vision in terms of uh, what we give and so I just said if you are somebody who does give regularly to this church already, first of all thank you thank you for your generosity okay and if you do by the way gift aid that money it can really help and um, we'll accept money by any methods by the way but Our favourite method is monthly standing order through the bank. That's just easier to administrate. Um, If you're somebody who does that but haven't recently reviewed or updated your giving, can I encourage you to think about that? Can I encourage you just to go back over and say, well, have I had a pay rise? Is that reflected in my giving? Sometimes that happens and we forget. Or maybe some other bonus. So if you haven't this year, at the start of 2020, taken a moment or a few moments to just reflect on your own financial position and what you're doing with your money and how you're blessing God with your money, then can I invite you to do that? And if you're somebody who considers yourself part of this church and hasn't yet got into a pattern where you feel like you want to give regularly to the church, then Again, I'd I'd simply invite you to try it. Um, I firmly believe God will honour any decision like that. I know it from my own life and I know tons of people who also know it from their own life. So even if that feels like a stretch and if you want to know more about that, have a listen to my talk from last week online or come and chat to me afterwards. So that was, the kind of, that was the kind of challenge last week. And as I said, Joe will talk today about a spirit-filled community. But first, I want to talk to you briefly about compassion. And I want to share some really important news with you as a church family about the compassion ministry in this church. You see, in that verse, it said one of the beautiful things about that community was there was no needy person among them. No needy person among them. And we take that principle very seriously in our church, we're delighted, for example, that over the last year, year and a half or so, our hardship fund has been set up and is up and running now, and able to make loans and gifts to help people who are connected with this church who are in really difficult circumstances. And Joe or I don't run this; we don't administrate it, um, but we do refer people to it sometimes. But that's up and running. And um, David and uh, Edward and um, Jenny who look after that do a really great job of that and that's there and if you find yourself in need and then and you need to access this come and talk to us and we'll help you find the right way Um, and that that's our hardship but when it comes to helping people beyond our church and out in our community I don't say this publicly very often but I'm going to say it today I honestly believe that our compassion ministry is one of the flagship ministries of this church I'm going to say that again. I honestly believe our compassion ministry is one of the flagship ministries of Winchester Vineyard. Here are some stats from 2019. This is just about the food side of things. You can see in grey the 2018 stats just for comparison. So last year 632 individuals were helped with fresh food and that actually doesn't include food delivered to hostels. The actual estimate is over a thousand people. Over 1,000 people helped with food. Uh, We gave out 180 food bags, 86 Christmas hampers and 20 homeless Christmas bags. I mean, isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? And it doesn't stop there because our storehouse stats uh, also show a similar picture. There were 656 children helped through storehouse last year. 202 babies helped with equipment. 55 children got new school uniform and 156 through our toy fair. Isn't that amazing? And that in itself is worth celebrating and, uh, and, uh, and uh, well, I just think it's worth celebrating, isn't it? Isn't that amazing? And the news, the news that I want to tell you about, is really important to us, and I want to um, make sure you hear this right, but um, actually the news is this, it's important and exciting, and this year Jenny, who uh, leads our Compassion Team, is going to be stepping down from the team after 10 years in the role. Jenny, why don't you stand up? Jenny, stand up. Just give us a wave. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks, Jenny. I'm not going to make you stand up all the way through what I say, but I'm going to say some nice things now. Um, Jenny is the face of our compassion ministry um, to many, many individuals. Well, you've seen that, six hundred several hundred individuals who we help and the staff from well over 30 agencies who we partner with. Now, Jenny doesn't do it on her own. She's wonderfully supported by Jill Jamieson, the deputy, uh, and a team of great volunteers. Okay. Um, Yes, to right, wherever they are. Where is Jill? Jill's there. But Jenny has initiated, coordinated and either led or overseen many of the compassion projects that have blessed our local community over the past 10 years, including storehouse, food store, Acts 435, Christmas, hampers, gifts to Syria, school uniform, toy fair and many others. Um, Believe it or not, 10 years ago, Jenny started volunteering, simply coming along once a week to help out. Yeah, beware. (laughs) The role has developed such that it's become pretty much a full-time job and she still does it completely voluntarily. And so why the change now? Well, it's not because she's bored and it's not because she's tired of it or fed up and it's not because the job is complete. But it's actually because Neil and Jenny are responding to God's invitation to step into the next season of ministry in their lives, which is going to require a bigger investment. And Joe will say more about that in a few minutes. But I just want to say this about our our compassion ministry. While we're going to hugely miss Jenny in this role and we're incredibly grateful for her tireless service and passion for those in need, we also massively value this example where she says, I'm not done yet. God is calling me to do something else and now I want to lay my life down for that. And so, with that in mind, we say, we're sort of like, oh, 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 yes, bless you to go. You know, um, obviously, that we, we want to release her and bless her to respond to what God's doing. And so, where does that leave us and our compassion ministry? Well, we've known about this decision for about the last six months or so, since the middle of last year. And we have thought and we have prayed and we have asked God, how is it that we're going to continue to serve our community through compassion? You see, we've known for a long time that Jenny's pretty much irreplaceable, okay? And that the role she performs is so huge and wide. Ranging and representing our church in many different ways. Um, we've, We've known that, and so we're praying. We're saying, Lord, what do you want to do? How is this going to work? And we have brilliant volunteers on our team, but none of them have the capacity to to step up and lead the whole ministry. And we also don't have the budget to employ a new staff member either. And so this seems like a dilemma to us. And we've been praying and we've been talking to the Lord about this for a little while because we know he loves the poor and we know he'll have a plan. And as we've thought and prayed as a team and chatted as leaders over the past six months, we do sense that God has shown us what the next steps are. And so many of you will already know Stephen, Stephen Martin. Stand up, Stephen. Turn around and say hi. Now, you can sit down again. Stephen is currently our assistant pastor over youth and kids. He's a brilliant guy with an incredible track record. And as well as that, Stephen has a massive heart for community and for those in need. In his own time, as well as all that he's been doing, he's been volunteering with Compassion driving the van and doing various things. Last January, Stephen was really taken aback to hear a really clear word from God. This is a year ago saying, you need to lay down some of your youth responsibilities and make some space. And at that time, none of us had any idea that Jenny would be stepping down and we didn't know what was going on, but, we, but Stephen has been really obedient in that. He's developed a kids and youth team to such an extent to create capacity for God, what, what God had wanted to do. And so, many, and by the way, many of you serve that youth and kids team and you'll already know how brilliant Stephen is. And so knowing all of this, we've become sure that God's provision for leadership and the compassion for the next season is for Stephen to step in and get involved. And we're really thrilled and excited about this. And so why am I telling you all this now? Because it's going to take a little while for this to work out. Actually, um, our plan is that this will be a phased transition over the rest of 2020. Stephen is going to work alongside Jenny and gradually take over the reins until the handover is complete somewhere towards the end of the year. And at that time, we will properly celebrate Jenny's wonderful legacy. This isn't the end, it's not the party yet. Um, And there will be plenty of time to prayerfully consider where God wants to lead Compassion next. And we're excited about what Compassion Ministry looks like in 2020 and beyond 2020 into 2021. But we don't expect to see many big changes this year and our main focus for now is just a really good transition so we can continue to work with our communities and our partners and the agencies. And so we'd value your prayers for Jenny and for Stephen at this time and it's a time of change. And of course, um, that's all great. And just before Joe comes, I wanna say uh, one more thing, which is this. Last week I challenged us to review our giving, and I let you know that as it stands, We are praying for an increase of around 5 to 10% in our ongoing unrestricted giving, our tithes and offerings this year. And that's not for any particular special project. It's simply to keep doing what we're currently doing and doing it really well. And I explained all of that and the circumstances last week, so check that out if you didn't. But let me just be honest with you for a minute. You see, in the long run, we're actually going to need more resources for compassion. Jenny has grown this ministry so much as a volunteer that at this point, it would be virtually impossible to find any such high-caliber leader who wasn't already employed elsewhere. And we absolutely believe Stephen is the right guy for this. But once the transition is done, we'll need to create some more pastoral capacity on our team, just for the church generally. So that figure of 5 to 10% will get us through to the end of this year, but it'll pretty much keep us where we are now. And what we actually think God wants to do is grow into 2021. So the increase we actually need to do what we think God's really inviting us to do is more like a 15% increase. Now we don't need that by the end no, we don't need that now. But what we're praying for is that by the end of the year we see that grow. And so that's my invitation to you. I'm not saying this to be dramatic or manipulative in any way, but just as your pastor tell you what's going on and invite us all to prayerfully consider how God is wanting us to respond in financial terms so that we as a community can be even more of a generous community so that we can genuinely say hand on heart there is no one in need among us and so that we can grow into all that God's doing now are you okay with that do you hear me don't hear me twisting your arm okay I'm not trying to squeeze you for the last drop of money (laughs) I just want us to know what's going on and I'd love us to pray individually together collectively however about how we respond to that Now, you see, as I said last week, it seems to me that there's a massive connection in these passages that I've read between a a community that's steeped in generosity and a community that is experiencing God's presence and power manifestly. You see, I think there's a link. I think there's a link. And so that's what Joe's going to come and talk about now, what it is to be a spirit-filled community. Thanks.
1: So, you know, this week the media team from Vineyard HQ came to video Neil and Jenny. Um, it's the National Leaders Conference at the end of the month and up in Nottingham. And so a crowd of us will go. And it's really encouraging when we're there to share stories about what God is doing in different places. And so often they go places, they take a little kind of snapshot video to show what's going on and so that everybody can watch it. They didn't actually come to, fil- to film Neil and Jenny to talk about compassion, but instead to talk about what God is calling them on If you know them, you'll know already. But if you don't, in the past year, um, Neil and Jenny felt that God was inviting them to go and live in a retirement complex. Now, looking at them, of course, they're far too young to do that kind of thing, but they felt that they were obedient to do that. And having gone there, they've actually started a small group there, a life group, and a monthly church service. And so Christians who live in that place and who are not well enough to get out and go to a place of worship on a Sunday can gather to worship. But also they can welcome those people who don't know Jesus yet. People who may be coming coming along here on a Sunday, there are people there who would love to go along to church but can't get out. And already one gentleman has given his life to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And so... The video that they made is to share that story and to remind people across the whole vineyard family that you never retire in the kingdom. And that God always has new things for those who walk with him. And as I look at you, I know I'm preaching to the converted because so many of you who are more mature in years most definitely haven't hung up your boots yet. You're still involved in so many ways, either in compassion or in our emotional healing and and. Um, Um, counselling ministries here or maybe you're working in the community serving in a cap centre looking after your grandchildren reading to kids in um, the local school there are so many different examples of people from this church family who have chosen to believe that God still has a way for them to grow and to serve him and we think that's the truth. You know, I was really encouraged because Mark, who came to video the piece, spent the afternoon here and listened to some of what was going on. And the next day he sent me a text. And I'll read you his text. He said, such a wonderful group of people and such a joy to be in Winchester. So much gold is coming out of your church. And I felt that that was God's word to us as the church family today. His encouragement and his well done Because there is so much gold coming out of this church family, and that's in you. And Nigel and I feel hugely privileged to lead such an incredible group of people. As you generously and consistently serve your family, serve the church, serve the community, serve in your workplace, wherever he has put you, and try and live well as scattered servants, then the gold that we experience here on a Sunday, that connection with God is spread out. Hmm. <laughs> I'm standing under a drip. It's either that or, <laughs> or more. Do <laughs> you think it is a sign of the Lord? We shall see. It's either that or condensation. <laughs> or a down- yeah, come on. Paul wants a downpour. <laughs> so if you're sitting around Paul, move, a, move aside. So there is Gold coming out of this place and today I just wanted to thank you and encourage you sometimes in our own lives we don't really see that do we as we try and be honest and faithful and serve with integrity we don't see much change but as other people come and look in and see and hear some of the stories about what God is doing amongst us they see him at work So where does this fit into kind of who we're becoming, which is what we're talking about? You know, there are many wonderful things expressed in our community already. And so I took this question, who we're becoming, as kind of an invitation to think about what else I would love to see, both in my life this year and in our church family. You know, the church community in Acts was spirit-filled. We're supposed to be thinking about how we're a spirit-filled community. And that's not something we need to become, because the Bible tells us that when we give our lives to Jesus when we surrender to him then the spirit lives within us and so we are already a spirit-filled church but as i thought about this this, this week i thought actually what i would love us to become is a, a church who are even more spirit aware and spirit responsive you know you've heard this morning about some examples some different things that happened about how that is happening but there's always room for more in john 5:17 It tells us that God is always at work. And Jesus later on says in the same passage, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. And so Jesus listened to and responded and partnered with God who was already at work. Now, as you hear that, you might go, well, look, Jesus was God and man. And so, fair enough, he was God already. So he knew what God was doing. So it's easy for him to join in. But also, we know that Jesus, as God, was also man. And when we read this, we can also read many instances in the Bible where he went away to a quiet place, where he took time to be with the Father, where he went to listen and to see what the Father wanted to do so he could work with that. I noticed that in Acts 4.13, after Jesus had died, Peter and John, who'd been his mates and who had jobs previously as fishermen, actually spoke to thousands of people including the rulers elders and teachers of religious law they themselves weren't religiously trained and yet Luke notes that about 5,000 men heard and believed their message now in those days they didn't didn't count the ladies so I'm sure there are a few of them as well but even if it was just 5,000 men that's quite a lot for a couple of fishermen to speak to and to actually believe the message And then when Peter and John were hauled up in front of the rulers, the Bible says this in Acts 4. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And that was a thing that jumped out to me this week. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. And that's what makes all the difference, isn't it? You know, as we face the challenges and the problems of our own lives, the best thing that we can take into those is the presence of Jesus. And as we go into a hurting and a broken and a desperate world, the best thing that we can take is the presence of Jesus. We don't need to be the cleverest or the most well-trained. We don't need to have all the answers. We just need to be prepared to lean on him, to listen to him, and to live out what he says. So the question today is slightly challenging. Well, I think it's very challenging. The question is, so have you been with Jesus? Now, I know we've all just been with Jesus in the worship. Wasn't that a wonderful time that the band led us in to, you know, and Paul led us to gaze at Jesus and to um, encounter him? But what about in the rest of the week have you been with Jesus and this isn't a question that we ask that I ask it to condemn or to criticize but actually it is the most glorious invitation we can be effective in many ways you could look at my life and you could go, oh, isn't she just a kind person and she does the right things and she says the right things and, you know, I can see that she's given some, a food bag to Compassion this week and her kids look like they're doing all right at school. What a great Christian lady. And I'm sure the, the same could be said of many people in our church family. But what really makes the difference to the people around us is the presence of Jesus. Just because we're Christians, it doesn't mean that we're the kindest people around, or our language is the best, or we do and say the right things better than anybody else. But the main thing that we have to offer is the presence of Jesus. And so when we look back at the end of 2020, who would I like to see that we're becoming? Would you know, I don't know if you've read Nigel's blog yet, but I was quite struck by it when I did. I didn't know what he was going to be writing about. And it talks about taking risks and becoming a more courageous community. And I want us to become even more a community of people who regularly spend time with Jesus, who listens to what he says, and he lives it out. The early church saw signs and wonders as regular occurrences. We read that in the passage. And they shared the news about Jesus so effectively that many chose to follow him. And I want that to be a hallmark of Winchester Vineyard too. Not so people think we're amazing, but actually because some terrible situations and around us need a miracle, because nothing else will do. So I'm just going to talk really briefly and simply about three things. The first is about leaning on Jesus. You know, John was one of Jesus' mates. He was known as a disciple Jesus loved. You may have seen a picture like this that you know, talks about how he reclined on Jesus, how he was the one who got up really close and leaned on him. And the Greek word in that passage in John 13, 25 Apparently means that he was in the bosom of Jesus. What a picture. He was so close to Jesus' heart. And you know, that's the invitation to us. And there are some really practical questions, aren't there? How do we find time and space to that? Life is so busy, work is demanding. Perhaps you have kids around your ankles all day. How do you find the time and space to be with Jesus? And from my own life, I know it's not something that just happens. I mean, my kids are older now, so they can entertain themselves quite a lot. But even then, it's not something that just happens. I have to deliberately choose to make time to be with them. There are plenty of other things I can do. And yet, that is the best use of my time. So when can you get close to Jesus? Well, it's really different for all of us. Maybe first thing in the morning is good for you, or having a lunch break at work, or when your baby naps, or maybe you have to be really creative and do a child swap with somebody. Or if you're a lady, why don't you come along to the Beautiful One conference that we're hosting in March? That's going to be a day you could set aside. When my kids um, were kind of at school age and I was doing a different job, um, I used to catch add up my time off in loo, my toil hours. And about every um, month, I used to take a retreat day, just go to a retreat centre. So it was a day that I'd I'd earned the, the work hours by doing work outside that time, so I could have a day away somewhere. And maybe you just need to think creatively about that. But it's worth taking the time to be with him. And so when you're there, well, what do you do? Do you know we have loads of resources available to help? And I felt like a thing to say today was... If you feel like you don't know how to connect with Jesus, then please don't just be stuck in that place this year. There are many people in this room who are further along the journey than us. And I find the times that when I grow in my faith the most is when I'm really honest. If I just go and say, look, I'm stuck here. The ways I'm trying to pray are not really working for me, or I'm trying to connect with Jesus, but I've got no idea what to do. Or this practice that I've been using, it's just got old and stale. Have you got any ideas? And together as community, we can help each other grow. So please be courageous. Please don't pretend you've got it all together if you haven't, because the honest answer is none of us have. But why don't you ask for help from a friend or from your life group leader or come and chat to us, and we'll see what resources we've got to point you in the right direction. So the first thing is to lean on Jesus. The second is to listen to him. Mark's been running a brilliant course over the past couple of weeks at how, how to hear God. You know, one of the things that he's kind of blown out the water is that most of us don't get an audible voice. We hear God in different nudges. He kind of points us in a direction to respond to him. And again, if you want to learn how to do this, there are some great resources available. And I just asked Lynn to come today, because she just... you want to come up, Lynn? She had just had a little story about how she responded to a nudge from God in the past couple of weeks um, and what happened. And so, Lynn, why don't you just come and tell us just what happened to you? You're on. Thanks.
2: Hello? Hello? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you're on. You hear me? Yeah. <laughs>
2: um so I think it was Tuesday and I was um preparing some dinner for our family and in the afternoon and I just suddenly felt like God was saying, Lynn, just make a little bit more. <laughs> um so that was where it kind of started. I didn't really know why, but I just thought, okay. And then over dinner, um, um, sorry, in the afternoon after that, I had a picture in my head of uh, the tunnel uh, where the train station is. Um, and oh, funny noise. Um, um, anyway, as I was having dinner, I just said to Graham, "Don't eat any more dinner." <laughs> He's <was> like, <laughs> um, "I was like, um, I just feel like I need to take this food down to." the train station tunnel. Um, he's like, okay, cool. So anyway, I thought, i would get the kids to bed because there wasn't a suitable time um, and I'll go out. Um, I didn't really didn't know whether I was going to come across anybody or what, but um, I just thought I'll drive down there and drove down there and um, walked down and everyone was coming off the trains at that time. Um, and yeah, and lo and behold, there, there was a girl sat um, in the... Tunnel, begging, and um, it was the week of the storms, wasn't it? And it was all rainy outside. She had nowhere to go, and so anyway, I just, I just went uh, approached her. and I just said to her, um, "I know this sounds weird, but have you had a hot dinner today?" <laughs> and she said, uh, "No, no, I haven't." I said, "Well, would you like one? Because I've got, I've got one here." And she says, "Oh yes, please, yes please." And I'd t- taken a fork down and stuff, um, and I was just able to sit with her um, as she's eating, and um, I just. I just asked her I said do you know Jesus um and she said yeah I do actually and um showed me that she had a bible and um and I just managed to talk to her a little bit about you know Jesus and what he wants for her life and prayed for her um I asked her if I could pray for her and she says yes please and I prayed for her and god gave me a picture um and a, a picture of a a field of poppies and I was asking him well what does this mean and I just felt like God the Holy Spirit said well the poppy is we the poppy for us is about remembering a fallen soldier and just felt like he was saying to her that your life you've been waging a war the whole of your life it's been like one long warfare um, and you've fallen and um, he wants you to know that like we remember the soldiers through a poppy, he remembers you and he remembers your battles. Um, and so anyway, I left her, I had a little pocket testament league I was carrying around. <laughs> um, and first time, no one throwed it back in my face. <laughs> um, and then I left and then she was on my heart the whole time. She, she was very, very grateful and, um,
1: yeah, responded. Um, um be a great story wasn't it if that was the only way the story was And in fact the first time you said it to me was just now you said I felt like God said make some more dinner but the first time I heard you say the story was I just had this feeling I should make some more dinner so Lynn didn't get a kind of I didn't Lynn it, no. make some
2: more dinner no I you didn't know. it was a <laughs> thought it was a thought in my head hmm. I need to make some more dinner and it also wasn't a go down to the tunnel it was a a picture go Mm. down to the tunnel and just an urge Mm. it was an urge so tell us what happened next okay okay so I left her and she was on my heart all week and I was just praying for her and then I was coming back from training one night and it was quite late and um, I was driving and it was chucking it down with rain and that day I thought I must take this library book back to the library because it's overdue um, and I th- had this debate with myself, so like, I don't need to take it back now, they're closed, it's, um, it's overdue, it's overdue, so why does it matter? I thought, no, just go. So I drove to the library, and I pulled up and, po- and popped it in through the letterbox. And then I just noticed someone in the uh, the side, um, sat in the rain, I thought, I'll go up to them and see if they're all right, When I went and said... You're right, and I looked, and it was the same girl that I'd spoken to, and she saw me, and she recognized me instantly, and I saw her, I recognized her instantly. And you know, it was just one of those situations again, where God, you know was able to sit with her and talk with her and just really spend a bit of time with her, and um, that, for me, was, yeah, a real, real encouragement. and um, Thank you yeah she was as well so
1: wonderful thank you lynn great thank you so lynn just responded to a nudge she didn't know the lord saying go and do this she just thought let's give it a go and look what happened. That lady <laughs> received a hot dinner and some encouragement, some real specific encouragement, and then to meet the same one again. Isn't that amazing? That lady knows that she's loved. She knows that God's pursuing her and he's after her. In fact, we pray for her now. Father, we pray for that dear lady. And we pray that she will be really struck by the fact that you are speaking so clearly into her life and that you're pursuing her. And we ask that you would give her hope and that you would bring her to fullness of life in you. Amen. So lean on Jesus, listen to him, and then finally live it out. It's very easy to have these nudges and to feel like God might be saying something to us and then explain it away. I get that sometimes. Um, And yet it takes courage, doesn't it, to decide that we're going to go out of the ordinary and out of what's comfortable and make a step towards somebody. And so if this is something you'd like to grow in, There are resources and opportunities here. Paul's got a team called the Just Go team who go out on Saturday afternoons. And if you'd like to be part of that, go and talk to him about that. In about six weeks' time, we've got a team coming over from another vineyard church who are going to just, just do some training to help us learn some easy ways to talk about Jesus. Now, some of what we do is actually about going out on the streets. And if you hear about that, you might just go, oh, that terrifies me. Why on earth would I want to do that? And the point is not that we're all supposed to be around wandering on the streets, you know, telling people about Jesus kind of cold, if you like. But the point is that we need to be trained and equipped to know how, when we're in a a situation, that it's just easy to tell people about the Jesus that we love and we worship. That's what we're looking for. And so if you'd like to be part of those things, then I really encourage you to sign up and join in. So the question is then, this is what I long to see more of in our church. I want to see more in the way of signs and wonders and God breaking in. So how are we going to know by the end of 2020 if we are becoming more like this, well, you know, some of it is hugely personal. Only I know if I'm taking regular time to be with Jesus. And it's exactly the same for you. Only you know if you're taking regular time to be with Jesus. But I have a hunch that as we do this, we're actually going to get some more stories. I think we're going to have exciting stories that spur us on about when people like Lynn have taken courage and taken a risk and stepped out and seen God's power fill the gap. We're going to be in awe like the early church as we see people who are healed and provided for, who are set free and whose lives are changed. That's what we're going to see. The other thing we're going to have is we're going to have more. Excuse me more stories of failure. And this is very close to home for me this week. There are going to be things that we thought God told us, but they didn't work out. We told you last week that a really dear friend of ours was in a hospice, and Alison went to be with Jesus on Monday, which is a wonderful thing for her. But I didn't think that was going to happen. And when we're in that place... We're going to celebrate the courage that was shown and the risk that was taken and we're going to process the questions and the disappointments and we're going to pick ourselves up ready to go again. Paul said something really helpful to me this week. He said you have to feel the disappointment and you have to process the pain of loss of a dear friend but you cannot camp in that place. Jesus told us that we were to heal the sick, that we were to cast out demons, even that we were to raise the dead. And I don't know about you, but that's what I signed up for. And this week, when I heard that Alison had died, Nigel said to me, do you know you're talking about signs and wonders on Sunday? And I said, really? And then I thought, a not very Christian word, which I'm not going to repeat because it's being recorded, but I thought, blow it. I actually, actually am. Because this is who we are and this is what we're called to do. And there are people who fall in the battle. You know, Alison was in her early 60s. She'd just retired. She hadn't had time with her husband. She has a family who really need her for all kinds of practical reasons. And she is a wonderful Christian lady who served in her community so powerfully When she was in the the hospital for a number of weeks, as she left to go to the hospice, do you know what happened? The staff queued up to say goodbye to her because she had had such an impact on them as she had been under their care. And she was an ordinary lady in lots of ways. She wasn't a saint. She had this incredible thing called a box called mystery where the stuff that she didn't understand went in there so she could talk to Jesus about it when she goes to see him. She's probably opening her box right now. But I think one thing that I've reflected on as I remember her and I grieve her is that she lived her life really well and she tried to keep on following Jesus at every stage. And as a church family, that's what we're going to do this year. And there will be times, maybe even when those amongst us are not going to make it through and maybe are going to die. There are going to be many people who we pray for to be healed and who may not get better and will end up living with whatever the illness there is. There is going to be tragedy and there's going to be pain and there's going to be disappointment. Because that's what the Bible says. Jesus said, you know, you're going to have trouble in this world. But the other thing that I know to be so true is that as we walk with Jesus through this year, as we pray for the sick, as we pray for people to be freed and healed and delivered, we are going to see that happen too. And you know, what I find is the more I pray, the more I see him move. So, In Acts 5, some key verses from there, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing those who were ill and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. And so my charge to us today, church, is to choose to be part of this. Let's take courage. In the situations that you find yourself in, keep on listening to and responding to the Spirit of God. We only get one go at this life, and we never know when it's going to end. So let's give it our best. This year, let's keep rearranging our lives to look like Jesus. Let's keep saying yes to him. Let's keep on loving. Let's be a people who don't shrink back and a people who don't give up.